0: to people who are abused by the system who are on the fringes of society a lot of them that god actually values them and loves them and i have to train my volunteers to treat them that way you know i say to my volunteers and we've got over 100 volunteers 90 percent of whom aren't christian and i say to them these people who come in they are our valued guests and they're special to god and we're going to treat them as valued guests it's really important so how do we know what god's like What's God's heart like? If I can have the next slide. There's a passage in Hebrews that says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He's spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things and through whom He also made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being. If I ask the question, What is God like? And what's his heart towards the lost like? The answer is, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. And that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to look at Jesus. Now, imagine the worst possible person you possibly could. Well, you probably can't because you don't live in the same century that Jesus lived in. But if I were to ask a Jewish person living in the days of Jesus what the worst person in the world would be, the first thing they would say would be, it must be a woman. Because you see, they, they thought women were really bad. You know, a, famous, uh, a famous rabbi said, you know, God made three beasts of burden, the donkey, the camel, and the woman. And uh, a famous Pharisee once stood up and prayed and said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like thieves, and I'm not a murderer, and I'm not a woman. Yeah, it was a very common prayer because they didn't value women very much. If you had to choose a woman who represented somebody who was the most unacceptable, who would you choose? Well, you'd probably choose a prostitute, wouldn't you? Because prostitutes in those days were truly looked down upon. So imagine Jesus meeting a prostitute. And imagine that prostitute doing things that are completely socially unacceptable in that society. What would Jesus' reaction be? What's the heart of Jesus to the very lost, to the very broken, to someone on the fringes of society? Just listen up. I'm going to read a little passage from Scripture, from Luke chapter 7. It says, One of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now, I love Luke because there's so much in Luke, but there's also stuff here That's important because it hasn't been said. And one of the things that's not said here is that the Pharisee, when he invited Jesus to have dinner with him, honored him and gave him a bowl to wash his hands and something to wash his feet and to clean his face and put perfume on him because that's what you did when you invited a guest. didn't do that. You'll see that later on. See, the reason he didn't do that was because he really wanted to embarrass Jesus. He'd set up this dinner party and at this dinner party there were all these, all these Jewish people, probably Pharisees and rabbis and Levites and all sorts of people and they were lounging around on the floor because they used to sit on cushions and the table was laden with food and they watched Jesus come in and they're smirking to themselves because they see Jesus just being humiliated because Simon says, come in Jesus, come and sit down but doesn't even offer him the basic necessities doesn't offer any politeness any proper welcome he's trying to humiliate Jesus then something extraordinary happens something extraordinary happens Jesus they probably didn't even expect Jesus to come in they expected Jesus to be offended and walk away but Jesus didn't he reclines at the table a woman in that town who lived a sinful life Learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. You know, I love our English translations. A woman who lived a sinful life. Well, you've got to use your imagination. She really did live a very sinful life. She was a prostitute. That's what she was. She learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Amazing. She came there with her superannuation. In those days, if you wanted to save money for the future, you, you invested in gold or silver or perfume. She had this alabaster jar of perfume worth a fortune. But she was going to do something with it. She was going to tip it over Jesus' feet. And you've got to think, well, why would she do that? Because somewhere along the line, Jesus must have met this woman. And somehow this woman had been transformed by her meeting with Jesus. She'd obviously become a follower of Jesus. She'd been set free. She'd been forgiven. For the first time in her life, someone had accepted her for who she was. Someone had declared that her sins were forgiven. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us any of those details, but it's obvious that here was a woman who just wanted to give her everything to Jesus. But she wasn't very educated in the ways of the Jews. She must have been a, a prostitute for a long time because what she does next, she wouldn't have realized that was completely humiliating to Jesus. You know, I can imagine what's happened. She walks in and she sees Jesus sitting there and his feet are dirty and his hands are dirty and his face is dirty, covered with the dust of the road. And as she walks in, she just breaks down into tears. And she thinks, why are they doing this to Jesus? Why are they dishonoring him in this way? This is absolutely awful. She starts weeping. And it says in the Bible that what she does... As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. Wow. Did she really know what she was doing? Did Jesus know what she was doing? You know, in Jewish society, and it's true in a lot of Middle Eastern countries today, hair is considered to be very sensual. And no Jewish woman in that time, <coughs> excuse me, no Jewish woman would ever let her hair down in public. As a matter of fact, the only time a Jewish woman would let down a hair was when she was in the bedroom with her husband. And even today, I remember reading a quote, quote from the president of Iran who said, somebody asked him why women in Iran you know, wear hijabs, why they always cover their hair. Even to this day, Muslim women cover their hair. And he said quite seriously, he said, a woman's hair exudes vibrations that seduce men. He said it quite seriously. For them, a woman's hair was erotic. It was never ever to be seen in public. The only women who ever let their hair down with someone who wasn't their husband were prostitutes. As a matter of fact, in the Jewish law, which they added to the Bible. It was said that if a woman, a Jewish wife, was ever seen in public with her hair down, the husband could divorce her and she'd have absolutely no compensation. She'd have to walk away with nothing. That's how seriously they took that. Well, here's this woman and here's Jesus. How's Jesus going to react to this situation? I don't know if I can get it through to you how serious this was. You know, Imagine your, your grandma throws you a birthday party and someone invites a stripper wouldn't you feel a bit embarrassed well this was worse it was at least as bad this was worse here's jesus and here comes this woman who wets his feet with her tears and then dries them with her hair she lets her hair down over jesus feet she was doing what should only ever be done in the sanctity of the bedroom, in the context of a marriage. What she was doing was completely unacceptable. And all the Pharisees sitting there are thinking, whoa, we've got him now. How can he possibly be a prophet? How can he be the son of God? How can he be the Messiah when he doesn't even realize what this woman is doing to him? If he was a holy man, he would have leapt up and he would have run a mile. He wouldn't have sat there. And Look at what Jesus does. I love the way Jesus responds. He allows this woman to do this to him. But the Pharisees, they're thinking to themselves, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears. And wiped them with a hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Do you have any idea what Jesus is doing there? He does something that in the Middle Eastern context is completely unacceptable. He actually turns to Simon the host and tells him off. You never ever do that in the Middle East. I remember once we had a Lebanese uh, girl who was a prostitute came to church and uh, the first time she came to church a a taxi dropped her off at a night service and we thought who is this and uh, she said I want to come to church because uh, I want to come this morning but I had to work this morning because uh, you know the the guy who who manages me said he'd beat me with an iron bar if I didn't work and it sort of clicked with us that he was a prostitute she was a prostitute her name was Chrissy and uh, later on I got talking to her I said why did you come to church she said well I saw your church cross when I was on the train and I wanted to go to church. She said, I was in St Kilda and I'd had a a batch of heroin. It was a bad batch and I was lying in the gutter and it was raining and I just felt terrible. And she said, all of a sudden, I saw the face of Jesus above me. And I said, what happened then? She said, Jesus looked at me and said, Chrissy, I love you. I love you. And she said, I knew then that I had to find out more about this Jesus. That's why she came to church. You know, we baptised her a few months later and we sent her off interstate to a, uh, to a teen challenge facility because she had to get away from the environment in which she was in. But I thought, Jesus hasn't changed. You know, What would we have said if we saw a prostitute lying in the gutter? What did Jesus say? Chrissy, I love you. Here's this woman she's bearing all before Jesus she's doing the most unacceptable things and what does Jesus do he starts insulting Simon his host and the reason I told the story about Chrissy was because Chrissy's dad was so grateful that he decided that uh, he he'd give me lunch And uh, I'd forgotten that he'd invited me to lunch. I knew I had to go there, but I'd forgotten that it was lunch. And I'd been in the city and I was hungry, so I had a a McDonald's. Don't tell Chitska, I'm not supposed to have McDonald's. (laughs) This was quite a few years ago. And um, anyway, um, I was driving home and all of a sudden I thought, oh, that's right, I've got to go and see Chrissy's dad. And I arrived there and there's tables laden with food. And I thought, what do I do? And I was expected to eat every single course. I knew enough about the Middle Eastern culture to know that you you never insult a host by refusing their food. If I'd said, I'm sorry, I've eaten, I'm not hungry, I don't want any food, he would have been so insulted. So I sat there and I dutifully ate all this food. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done to eat all that food. I tell you, it was difficult. But I knew I had to do it because there are strict rules in the Middle East. You never, ever, ever insult your host. And Jesus knew that rule. He knew that by insulting Simon, his host, that was such a terrible thing to do, that the attention of everybody in the room would have been upon him. And the anger of everybody in the room would have been transferred from that poor woman onto Jesus. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing. What was Jesus doing? What's the heart of Jesus? He wanted to make sure that that woman could get away. Because he knew that if she'd stayed there, they would have stoned her to death. They would have killed her. They wouldn't have thought twice about it. So Jesus insults Simon. He tells him off. He says, you didn't give me anything for my hands or my feet. You didn't give me perfume for my hair. He's insulting Simon. And they all turn on to Jesus. And that while Jesus is speaking, he quickly turns to the woman and says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You just go. And they were angry with Jesus. So very, very angry with Jesus. What's the heart of God for the lost? What's the heart of Jesus for the lost? For Jesus, his heart is one of incredible compassion. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. Jesus loves you. You know, there's a beautiful passage in the Bible that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Guess what? The Bible means it. Jesus means it. Anyone who believes in me will be given the gift of eternal life. It doesn't matter who you are or where you've been. I remember when we came, um, must be more than 30 years ago, We came to to Victoria and one of the first things that we did was we went to a Don Francisco concert. I don't think there's anybody here that's old enough to have been at that concert. But have you ever heard of Don Francisco? Oh, Mariska has. Because I used to play his records all the time. Brilliant, brilliant records. Don Francisco was an up-and-coming musician brought up in a Christian home. And he went to uh, California, he went to L.A., and he said, I got into everything that LA had to offer. I got into song. I got into, I got into wine, women, and dance. He got into drugs. And he said, I, I fell so low. I fell so low, he said. I was sitting in my motel room one night, and I was contemplating suicide. And he said, God suddenly spoke to me. He said it was a voice. I don't know whether it was audible or in his heart. But he said, God spoke to me. And God said, Don... I love you. I love you. Isn't that incredible? You see, that's God's heart for the lost. I was standing outside Pendridge Jail one day waiting to go into J Division and there's a guy next to me and I thought he might have been Bert Newton because he had all these sprouts of hair growing out of his head. It was the days when Bert Newton was having hair transplants, but it wasn't Bert Newton, but it was an ex ABC radio announcer, and I'd recognize his voice, and he told me his story. I said, how come you're here? He said, I'm coming in to visit people because I want to tell them about Jesus. And he told me his story. He says that when he lost his job as an ABC announcer due to alcoholism, he got really, really depressed. And he said, one day, he said, I filled the bath with water and I was going to commit suicide. I was going to cut my wrists and kill myself in the bath. But he said, before I went into that bath, he said, I want to have a shower because I wanted to be clean. He was a very fastidious man. And he said I was standing in the shower, and all of a sudden this song came into my mind. He said it was a song that I'd learned as a little child. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Jesus lo-. He said I started singing that song over and over and over again in my head. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And he said, all of a sudden, a light bulb went on in my head. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And from that, he came to know Jesus. You know, that's the heart of God. I challenge you to find anyone in Scripture who was down and out, who was messed up, who was in trouble, whether they were rich or whether they were poor, whose Jesus' heart did not go out to. It even went out to the Pharisees. He even longed for them to come to him, but they wouldn't. Some did, like Nicodemus and Paul. But you know, when, when you look at Jesus, when you look at Jesus, his heart always went out to the broken. I was coming home from hospital one night, many, many years ago. Chisica had had a, a big operation, and her operation was in the Alfred and uh, I switched on the radio and uh, I switched on 774, but the football was on, and I couldn't stand listening to the football. I mean, it's terrible how the poor South Australians had to lose, wasn't it? Why can't everybody win? You know, You, you, you watch their hearts being broken, and I think this is awful. It'd be good if everybody could win. But um, the football was on, so I switched on to I switched on to I think it's 721, you know, ABC um, National. And this guy called John Tavener was on, and he'd just written a symphony. Now, I'm not one to listen to a lot of symphonies, but as he began speaking, I thought, this is really interesting. He, He said he'd lived in Greece for many years, and he said, in Greece, there's a prayer that people pray. And it's just about every Greek family prays it. It's a very simple prayer. It's Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. And he said, I wanted to take that prayer and put it to music. And uh, then I wanted to find a singer who could sing it in five different languages. And the singer he found was Bjork. Now, I'm sure you've heard of Bjork. You might not have heard of Don Francisco, but have you heard of Bjork? I mean, I've listened to her. I wasn't sure whether she was singing or she was in pain because she's got that gravelly voice. But she began singing those words. And I'll tell you what, my heart just broke. My heart melted. Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. You can actually look it up. It's called the Jesus Prayer. It's on the internet. It's powerful. She sings it in five different languages. Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. I got home that night and I opened my Bible and I thought, I want to see where this prayer is in the Bible. It's everywhere in the New Testament. You've got blind Bartimaeus, the son of filth, sitting outside Jericho because he was so unclean that they wouldn't even allow him in the city. And when Jesus passes by, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. You've got the Syrophoenician woman whose daughter was demonized. Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Again and again, the broken and the wounded pray that prayer. And Jesus always answers. Because what's his heart for the lost? It's to reach out. You've got Zacchaeus who climbs a sycamore fig tree which was considered by the Pharisees to be unclean. And Jesus says, come. He wanted to see Jesus. And Jesus said, come, I'm going to have dinner with you. It doesn't matter whether they were lost and rich or lost and poor. It doesn't matter whether they were prostitutes or tax collectors or drunkards. It didn't matter to Jesus. Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save the lost. Yeah, He was gathering. He was gathering people around him and the Pharisees complained and said Jesus eats with sinners he eats with 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 sinners and tax collectors and Jesus says yes that's why I've come that's the father's heart I want to lead us in a in a bit of a time of prayer because one of the things that happens to people is especially when we grow up in churches that sometimes we think God only loves us if we're good and we fall away and Maybe nobody else knows about the things we've done. We get into stuff that's not very nice and we think, God can't possibly love me anymore. Think about Chrissy lying in the gutter, a drug addict, a prostitute. And Jesus appears to her and says, Chrissy, I love you. Think of Don Francisco. There he is in a motel room thinking that he's going to kill himself. And Jesus says, Don, I love you. I want you to pray this prayer with me, but I want you to put your own name in this prayer. Because sometimes we need to. Sometimes we find it so hard to forgive ourselves and to receive the love of Jesus. We're just going to pray that, that beautiful, those beautiful words of Jesus. And uh, I just want you to say it with me. You can just say it in your heart if you like, or you can say it out loud, but put your own name there. For God so loved me. Put your name there. For God so loved Keith. Put your own name there. That when he believes or she believes in me, he gave his only son. That when he believes in me or she believes in me, when you believe in me, you receive the gift of eternal life. God loves you. He loves you beyond what you can ever imagine. What you can ever know. As you're sitting here, you might think, God can't possibly love me. He doesn't know what I'm really like inside. He doesn't know the things that I struggle with, the failures that I've had. Well, I want to tell you tonight that God does. Jesus does. And actually, Jesus' heart is for you. It's when you battle. It's when you're broken. It's when you fall down, that's when Jesus says, come on, let me put my arms around you. Let me carry you. Let me lift you up. I love you. Let Jesus speak that to your heart tonight. Hear the words of Jesus. He says, I love you. I love you. You know, some of us have put things into little boxes. We've locked those boxes because we think if if anybody knew, God wouldn't love me anymore. Well guess what? He knows. And he loves you. And you can release everything to him. Just release it to him. Because Jesus says to you, I love you. I love you. You know, there might be somebody sitting here tonight and you think to yourself, I'm just a big hypocrite. Well, guess what? Jesus is looking at you and saying but I love you I love you You might think that you have to act to cover up stuff but I know you who you are I know the very depths of you I've known you since the beginning of creation I've known you from your mother's womb and I love you There's no one too low no one too sick No one too bad. No one can fall beneath the love of Jesus who died that we might live. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you just pour out upon every one of us the knowledge that we are just so deeply, deeply, deeply loved, by the Father and by Jesus. And we thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.